currently in our fulfillment room where we pick and pack all of our orders. There's normally about six to 10 people up here on any given day, sort of picking, packing, getting everyone's orders delivered, ready to send out and get delivered to their door. Hi, I'm Sam Loy and welcome to Propagate, the show for young farmers and fishers. At the moment, I'm standing in a huge fridge in a town called Casino in the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. It's minus one in here. And my tour guide is Bianca Tarrant from Our Cow. So we've got our lamb loin chops here, beautiful grass-fed lamb loin chops. And you can see on the packet, it actually says the farmer's name. So this has come from Tony Reid and Kim Thomas, Aussie White Lambs, Inverell Kamu Pastoral Company. So they're a mother and son team out of Inverell and Karnamala that supply us some lamb. We've got beef here, we've got some beef strips. So Scott Beaumont, grass-fed, Charolais from Dorigo. In this season of Propagate, we're looking at farmers who run value-add businesses, a generation of growers focused on sustainability, regenerative land management, and closing the gap between producers and consumers. And in this episode, you're meeting Bianca and Dave Tarrant, a young couple who built an online meat subscription service that's fast turning into an empire. So we're in our production room at the moment. The girls are packing some of our bacon. We make all of our own smoked bacon here. So they're weighing that, packing it up. And then down there, we've got our cryvacker. So they'll cryvac all the meat products. We cryvac all of our products to help with shelf life and freshness during transit. So once it gets cryvacked, it'll all go and get labeled. And that's where we will see, you know, all the labels get put on the products with our farmer's names. And then everything gets put upstairs into our fulfillment room, ready to be picked and packed making some rissoles. We do our own burger patties here as well. So we've got some beef, bacon and cheese burger patties getting ready to be shipped out. So these are all of our delivery boxes as well. They've got our customer's name on them, their address. They're an insulated carton. So they've got a thermal liner inside the box to keep the meat nice and cold when it gets delivered to their door. If they're not home to take delivery, the meat will stay cold for quite a few hours before it needs to go in the fridge. My name is Bianca Tarrant. I am the co-founder of Our Cow. I'm 29 years old and we are currently in my office in Casino. G'day, I'm Dave McGivern. I'm 35 years old, I think. I'm the co-founder of Our Cow also. Bianca and Dave now employ 40 people at Our Cow and Casino. And in 2022, they launched a crowdfunding campaign where they raised $2.4 million to grow their business. And it's going absolutely gangbusters. So we're at what we call Cowtown at the moment. So that's our processing facility and casino. We have a plant here where we have a team of butchers, meat packers, a fulfillment team and administration, customer service, sales. So there's you know quite a diverse range of people that work in our plant and casino. And we also have another side office off the side of here as well. So we process all of our orders here, process all of our meat, dispatch out of our plant every day to get it delivered to our customers' doors. Bianca and Dave have learned most of their business smarts on the fly. But they aren't just business people. Yeah, so we're obviously farmers at heart still, and we don't get to see our farm as much anymore, but we have just under 2,000 acres at Bar Eagle, about an hour, hour and a half north of Grafton, an hour west of Casino, and about an hour southeast of Tenerfield. Yeah, so on our farm, we run about 250 breeders. We run a Santa Hereford cow herd with shorthorn bulls over top of them. So all of our progeny 
eventually come to our cow and then we work with you know we're only a drop in the ocean now of our supply but that's how it started and we're really excited still to put our own beef through our cow. Dave grew up in agriculture. His family are fifth generation dairy and banana farmers from the Gold Coast hinterland. But Bianca, well, she grew up on the coast and had no exposure to agriculture growing up. And this allowed her to look at the livestock industry from a different perspective. So how our cow works is from the paddock to the plate, I guess we're controlling the whole supply chain. Our farmers supply us we, you know, through direct consignment. We have worked with over 100 farmers all across New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria. They supply the livestock to us. The livestock are processed in our facility here in Casino. And then basically our customers order on our website all over Australia and it gets delivered to their door. By process, they're slaughtered at an abattoir, a local abattoir, and then the carcasses are brought down to us here in Casino in our plant. But you don't build a meat delivery service empire overnight. There has been plenty of sacrifice for Bianca and Dave. Neither of them inherited any property, so they had to work really hard to secure enough money to buy their farm in 2017. You know, we had to save our asses off for many, many years. We worked different jobs. We went to the mines, trying to earn some really significant cash to be able to get a deposit. You know, anything over the uh, 120 acres is 40% deposit, so it was very difficult for a young person to, you know, try and get going and purchase their first farm. And I really do feel that, you know, I'm really passionate about trying to get young people into agriculture because it's so difficult. But, you know, I think just having that determination and drive to be able to know that you're going to get there one day is, you know, what kept us going. We looked for properties for probably two years all up and down the east coast of Australia, you know, right from Coffs Harbour to Mackay, really looking for somewhere that had good rainfall. And then it was difficult, I guess. We got knocked back for so many properties. The banks, you know, banks didn't really want to give us the money or give us a start. But, we, you know, we knew that we were determined to get onto a farm. So that's how we got onto our first property. Yeah, well, I worked out there for about six years. Dave was out there for quite a few years more than me. He sort of had a mining career, I guess, before I did. But yeah, we saved our asses off, like Dave said, for probably two years solid to be able to afford to buy our farm. We needed a 40% deposit. We put many, many offers in on lots of farms and contracts that, you know, fell through. It was difficult because we still had a mining income to support us, but still the banks found it that, you know, we were still getting rejected, even though we both had quite large mining incomes coming in. We were still getting knocked back and we couldn't work out what was going on. And I think it was probably more to do with the risk associated with the farm. If a bank, you know, if anything ever happened, a bank would probably have more difficulty trying to sell a farm compared to a residential property. Like we've both had residential properties before and you only need a 5% deposit, you know, sometimes less than that to get onto a residential place. So we, yeah, we saved a lot, you know, we, and we bought what we could afford. We, you know, it's, it's not the best country, our place, but it's, you know, it's home to us. We knew it was home the first time we went there, even though that we had put offers in on other places when we first went to our farm, it just felt like the right place for us to be. Yeah, and then after, I guess, that we purchased our farm, you know, you had no money left. Um, you spent it all on the deposit. So we still had to go out and go into debt for tractors and machinery and to be able to do anything. We started off really small and then obviously we wanted to turn an income straight away from our farm. So we, you know, we went into debt for livestock, you know, big interest rates through livestock agents. And then I guess after that, we just started going. Yeah, in the early years, it was, you know, mentally just exhausting I guess you know we we had so much ambition and passion to get onto our farm and it was really stressful and and a tough time mentally going into that position when you know you'd only just started off but we got through it and I think it's made us better people for it. 
And it isn't just hard work that got Bianca and Dave to where they are. They also had to kind of slum it for a bit too. Yeah, it wasn't, certainly wasn't all luxury when we first bought the farm. Like I say, we bought our farm, there was no real living quarters on the farm either. There was a shed that had some gyp rocked walls in it and that's where we moved into. I just moved out of a brand new house that I'd bought previously and moved into a shed with no power, no running water. We had no money. So it was like everything other than what I expected to live on a farm. So, you know, we're sleeping on a mattress on the floor. It was freezing cold. It was about minus seven for a few weeks and we were... Living in a shed was pretty tough. We had no no water. We were boiling the billy on the fire to have some hot water. It was good. It was nice. It's a nice lifestyle. Yeah, it was a simple lifestyle, but it was definitely, it was difficult. Like, we'd gone out on a massive limb, we had nothing left, and we were, like, living in a shed and, yeah, living off mandarins for quite a few weeks. <laughs> living in minus seven degree conditions and surviving off mandarins is pretty rough stuff. But as soon as Bianca and Dave bought their farm, they also had to battle some really challenging seasonal conditions too. Yeah, so after purchasing the farm in 2017, it, it just we had so much ambition and we sold our first lot of wieners and they were pretty good in 2017. But 2018, the prices dropped and um, you know we knew that we were going backwards straight away. We knew that it was going to take a long time to pay those cows off that we had on finance and also we were selling cows already. To, you know, we didn't have no feed or no water. We were starting to struggle there, I guess. You know, we still knew that we had to get an income out of our little place and we were looking for all different ways. We are going to different events and seminars. You know, we signed up to a few different programs and business coaching. I think it was in 2018, we were at an event, the YBPF, like the Young Beef Producers Forum in Roma. And, you know, we were on the verge of sort of having to sell our farm at that point and we decided that we'd, we'd come up with a plan and do something different. It was Bianca's idea to come up with the, the Our Cow brand and... and business idea and then yeah it just went from there yeah when we first got onto the farm you know we had no money left so we had to finance our cows our breeding cows the goal was i thought that we could try and get to 100 breeders and be able to sustain ourselves pay our mortgage you know have a little bit of money in the tin and and also pay our livestock back so that was the goal to get to 100 breeders i think we ended up getting to about 120 cows on our property just before the initial drought set in and then, um, yeah, just all started going backwards to, to nothing after that. We decreased all of our breeders. We kept all of our heifers, but we decreased all of our breeding herd during that 2018-19 drought. And we probably made a few mistakes as well in the oh, long yeah, way. Like, you know, numerous mistakes. The cattle we bought probably they weren't the right type or the right age, and there was things that we did wrong. You know, when we did buy those livestock and looking back at it now, it's, you know, it probably wasn't the right thing to do, but it did taught us a lot about going into debt for livestock, being in debt, how to manage that. And I guess just realizing that you're trying to sell something back at a variable price. You know, you've committed to buy something, you've gone into debt for it, but you don't really know what price you're going to get for the livestock at the end of it, which was difficult. We went into the worst drought in Australia's history within 12 months of buying our farms. It went bad so quickly and we had three bushfires on our farm as well as that drought. We had the first bushfire only a couple of months after we'd moved on to our farm. So that was really devastating. You know, the only thing that was left was our little house, little shed. They're the kind of questions that you're asking yourself. When is it going to rain? The forecast says it's going to rain on Saturday and Saturday never comes. There were plenty of times they thought about giving up. Yeah, there was many questions whether we just sell all the cows and just wait the drought out. And we didn't really know what we were going to do again. We thought so many different scenarios and different things we could have done, should have done. What if this happens? What if that happens? But yeah, it was numerous times where we said to each other, like, what the bloody hell are we doing? This would have been way easier if we just kept working at the mine. 
The couple had to fight to keep their farm alive. The drought meant off-farm jobs, using a timber resource they had on the farm to cut split posts for an income. Bianca and Dave had to get really resourceful and do everything they could to stay afloat. You know, to get some income in, I was working at some of the neighbouring properties as well in that 2019 time and dick cleaning out dams and trying to get their livestock into clean water. Yeah, we had our first significant bit of rain on Christmas Eve on 2019. We'd run out of livestock. We had no livestock left on our own farm, so we had nothing left and we were just basically, we were working at the neighbour's property. Um, I was welding and, and doing a bit of boiler making stuff there for an income and Bianca was mowing lawns, mowing their lawns and doing all their gardens next door. So that was our source of income at that point and we were trying to get our cow off of the ground when all that sort of stuff when 2019. The, the bushfires come through. Yeah, we were engaged with Farm Owners Academy when we were going through the farm, you know, we did a course through those guys and it really helped us just put it into perspective and probably the thing it helped with most was our mindset. Yeah, definitely the mindset was a huge shift for us, you know, just thinking about all of the things that were going wrong and it was our fault and things like that. We, we just took a lot of ownership of it and changed our mentality and, and how we thought about things. So that was the biggest change for us. Yeah, I guess the one question we probably asked ourselves was what can we do to make the most out of the farm that we had? Like we weren't in a position where we could afford to go and buy another couple of thousand acres and run more cows. More cows is more income. Yeah, sure. But we weren't in that position to do that. So we kind of had to come up with a way to make the most out of the little property that we had. And that was probably the question that brought our cow to life. And it's against that backdrop of tough drought years, bushfires and almost quitting that saw the start of our cow. I really struggled to understand how you could work 12 months or 18 months of a year and turn off a product that you'd work so hard to produce but not really know what you were going to get for that animal at the end of the day. So that was difficult for me to understand that you were going to work so hard and then just cross your fingers and toes at the end of the day and hope that someone was going to pay you enough money to cover your bills. So it kind of didn't really make sense to me. And I thought to Dave, well, how can we guarantee ourselves a price for our livestock that we know our bills are going to be covered and that we're going to make a little bit of money at the end of the day? Our cow ensures us a stable income by us knowing what price we're going to sell our livestock for because we knew when we were sort of coming up with the idea, we knew that the price of meat doesn't fluctuate anywhere near as much as the sale yard prices do. So that's sort of where the thinking came about, that we knew we could consistently sell our product at a consistent price and we wouldn't be receiving a good price for our livestock as well. And we also knew that so many other farmers were in the exact same situation. So the problem that we were having... Every other farmer was having the same problem, you know. The demand was high, but so many other farmers that were offloading their stock at that time, meat prices are relatively the same, but nobody's getting any money for their livestock and somebody is making that money in between. So if we, like Bianca said, if we could have a win-win situation where the processor's making some money, the farmer's making some money, and also the customer's getting a really good product that they know that people are supported through the whole supply chain and there's not big corporations that are lining their pockets by it, well, that's, that's how our philosophy is, really. But an online meat delivery service was an out-of-the-box idea that even Dave wasn't sure about. I had reservations about it, I guess, but I thought that, you know, I was really confident that it could work because at that stage it was just to try and get a price for our own livestock. You know, the thought of bringing 
hundreds of other farmers into that program was not even a you know wasn't even a thought in our mind it was just basically trying to get a price for our own livestock but we had so many people that tell us that you know it could never work you could never control the whole supply chain you know there's a lot of naysayers around it when people say it's not going to work i guess it just gives you more determination to make it work you know you want to do everything you can to guess prove people wrong yeah there was a lot of people that said it wouldn't work our overheads would be too high and it would be too difficult and you wouldn't be able to control the supply chain and you know it's funny you those people sort of come to us now and are amazed at what we've achieved and you know they're really in awe of it and they probably wish that they could take their words back I guess but yeah. Yeah we've got a bit over 150 farmers that supply our cow now. We have bigger farmers right through to little farmers that only supply every now and then but you know there's there's a, a huge network of those guys and I'm really grateful that they've seen the possibility of, of what can actually happen. I mean we, we matched just about every pricing grid in Australia Initially, it was just Bianca and Dave supplying our cow with their own animals, and they've scaled up now to servicing more than 150 farms by basically starting up conversations with other farmers. They say that despite some people not being really sure that the business would work, a lot of farmers and people in the early years did actually trust them. People probably looked at us with blind optimism, I suppose, and uh, they believed everything that we were going to try and do. There's still a lot of farmers out there that probably don't think it's going to work or, you know, there's... A little bit sceptical about it. A bit sceptical. You've always got your early adopters that take on something new, but, you know, the people that have come with us and have tried us you know they've changed their whole business program their breeding plans to suit our job now so they're really involved in in trying to make a change in the industry as well and you know the livestock has been the same in australia since white settlement i guess so nothing has changed for a couple of hundred years and we want to make a change in that and i think we're in a really good position to be able to take advantage of that and now the our cow producers come from three states in australia with customers based all over the country so our farmers are based um Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. We do have farmers up as far north as central Queensland and then as far south as middle of Victoria. And then you know, our meat goes all over Australia from Cairns, WA, Tasmania, Western Australia. You know, We deliver to homes across the country now, so pretty grateful that we have customers all over the place and people that want to support farmers through their food choices every day, not just through times of aid and, and drought and fires. There's farmers that contact us every day through our website and just through our numbers. So yeah, I'd say there'll probably be 10 to 20 farmers a day that probably reach out and just want to know how they can be part of it, what they need to do, what are our, what's our grid, I guess, what are our specs. So there's lots of interest in what we're doing and I guess it's the chicken or the egg. Like we have a lot of farmers contacting us and, be, and to be able to support more farmers, we need to be able to serve more customers. So that's our goal at the end of the day is to be able to support more farmers and serve more customers. 10 to 20 farmers reaching out a day is a pretty sure sign you're under something good. Dave says that the demand's there because farmers are looking for stability and a connection to the customer. I guess just a different market and they can see that consistency and I really still do think that that problem that we had in the beginning that made us come up with the idea of our cow is what a lot of farmers are facing, you know. They're, they're looking for that market that provides some stability in their life. And there, we have so many of our customers that directly reach out to our farmers, whether it's through social media or through their own brands or whatnot, and thank them for the meal that they've provided for their family, which is really humbling for a farmer to be able to realise and appreciate that there's someone enjoying something that they've put so much hard work and love and energy into producing. So I think that's really cool. And our farmers love that. Yeah, we're just two Joes just having a crack, really. Neither Dave nor Bianca knew anything about marketing prior to starting Our Cow. They're self-taught 
but it's now become central to their business. Oh, we've learnt lots of things around marketing. Oh, just the vast scale of it, really. It's, it's amazing. It's the main part of our business now, but we've probably learned so much around what sort of works and what doesn't work. Yeah, the big Facebook monster just continues to take your money all the time, that's for sure. Yeah, I think just being authentic, mm. uh, you know, telling your story. People want to buy from people that are just like them. So just being a relatable person that people can feel connected to and, and really building a community, I'd say that's one thing that I really pride ourselves on. If we've built this amazing community of not only farmers that supply us, but customers that support us and support our farmers. It's almost like a cult. Like, seriously, we have some of the obsessed customers and they, you know, they love it. Yeah, our cow is profitable, but we put pretty much every cent that we earn into the business and, and just keep trying to grow it. You know, we really have a goal of, of where we want to get to and, and just make a change in the livestock industry so every bit of money that we earn goes back into it. You know, we're not, we still live in that same little shed. You know, we, we haven't, we're not driving around in Ferraris or anything like that. No. In 2022, Bianca and Dave set up a crowdfunding campaign where they raised a whopping $2.4 million dollars They're going to use the money to invest in marketing and operations with the aim of getting more farmers on board and reaching more customers. Yeah, Yeah, we've not long closed our first round of crowdfunding out, so we wanted to do a crowdfund. Obviously, like we said, Dave and I have put every single cent, blood, sweat and tears that we have into this business and got it to what it is today. And we kind of, we know what our goals are and we know the potential of the business and where we think we can take it, but we, you know, we need some more cash in the business to be able to do that. So we wanted to do a crowdfund where we could really involve our farmers, our followers, our customers on the journey with us and give them an opportunity to buy into something that they're already so passionate about but also for them to invest their money into something that's you know future proofing their food their supply chain and I guess just the future of food and farming in Australia so we were really fortunate you know we ended up with over 1200 investors that invested into our cow and believed in what we're doing and want to be on the journey with us so it was really humbling to think that there's that many people out there that actually gave us their money and trusting us to be able to grow the business provide a return for them and continue to change the, the agricultural industry. But changing the agriculture industry isn't an easy ride, and the pair have learnt a few things along the way. Well, definitely it's not all beer and Skittles. I think business is just an emotional roller coaster. Every day is different. You know, some days you feel like you're on top of the world, and then other days you feel like putting your head in a water trough. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say self-development is equally important as developing the business. So you have to really value yourself and put time, energy, effort into educating yourself and looking after yourself. Like there's things that we do, you know, every day now that probably if you said that that's how we were going to wake up and run our day, you'd be laughing. Like, yeah, you know, a few years ago, if you said to me that I'd be meditating and saying affirmations of a morning, I would have laughed at you, I guess. But to become somebody who you want to be, you've got to become someone who you never been before you got to change your habits like I like going down the pub and drinking beer with me mates as much as the next person but you know it's really about what priorities that you want in life and the choices that you make to move yourself towards those decisions that you know and the goals that you want to get to I think just be determined and you know, it's not easy. It's definitely probably one of the hardest industries to get into. Yeah, and I'd probably say just picking something and sticking with it as well. We see it a lot in the agricultural industry. Farmers sort of chase the next shiny object that comes about. So, you know, finding something that you're passionate about, that you're good at, that works for you and sticking to it instead of jumping from breed to breed or job to job. If it works, stick to it, see it out and, you know, it'll pay its returns. So it may have taken these guys two and a half years to pay themselves a wage. 
They may describe their first year of living on a farm as pure hell, living off mandarins and not sure how they'd get by. But their success and determination is plain to see. So good on you, Dave and Bianca. And a big thanks for having me. All episodes of Propagate Season 4 are out now. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. On the next episode of Propagate. So you get your exercise, you get outside, get your sunlight and the meditation aspect. I don't make any time to specifically meditate now because I am connected to what's around me. Propagate is a podcast from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries and an initiative by the Young Farmer Business Programme.